Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Eric Schneider. He is VP Sales at Alpha Root. They provide insurance solutions to the cannabis industry. A fascinating topic. I've, I haven't really dug into the whole insurance side of cannabis for quite some time, so I'm kind of fascinated to see how the business, how the industry is approaching this. I know there's lots of complexities within the cannabis space around seemingly simple and regular products in cannabis that end up getting kind of complicated because of all the federal situations situation, the legalization, and how things are run on a state-by-state level. And so I'm curious to see how the insurance market is kind of shaping up around cannabis. Excited to talk to Eric about this. With that, Eric, welcome to the program. Yeah, really appreciate you having me on today, Bruce. Yeah. So let's get a little bit of background. So I'm kind of curious how you got involved in Alpha Root, how you got involved in cannabis, what your relationship is with it or has been with it. And then we can talk a little bit about the insurance industry and how you're approaching the cannabis market. But give us the backstory. How did you get into this? Yeah. So just uh, started out my career working for a company, Founder Shield, that focused on building out insurance solutions for emerging industries. So that is everything from cannabis to micromobility, cryptocurrency, 
much so the new age business models and more so of a focus on venture back startups and more difficult to place risks. Yeah. And so that company started in 2012. Our founder CEO, Benji Markov, was working in the, the venture capital space and uh, found it really, really difficult for these more nuanced business models and venture back models to get insurance. Just overall, the process and the procurement process was just really archaic. Mm-hmm. So he spun off, left the venture capital world, started Founder Shield with a mind of providing a much more seamless insurance purchasing process. So we have like a lot of backend technology that really streamlines the application and operation side of things. It just makes it a lot easier for insurance to sign up, yeah. fill out an application. And I know that may seem silly, but you know, obviously <laughs> I'm sure you've seen it, you know, as oh, a yeah. CEO, you know, you're juggling a million different things and you don't need one other item on your plate that's going to be very inundating. So we wanted to really help streamline that process with excellent client service because I think that the traditional insurance industry does have value in that aspect of really providing hands-on underwriting and just client service as as a whole. So we kind of fall somewhere in between the middle of an insure tech company as well as your more traditional brokerage. And and as I mentioned before, we were focusing obviously on emerging industries, cannabis being one of them. And really four or five years ago, we started to make a big push in this space. And we rolled out Alpha Root as a wholly owned subsidiary of Founder Shield. So we're able to leverage all of our parent company's technology, resources, and branded Alpha Root in mind to focus specifically on the cannabis space. Yeah, it's interesting. I can see, I mean, dealing with early stage uh, venture-backed companies is already kind of complicated, right? I mean, they're under a lot of pressure. They've got big plans. They're growing quickly. Their risk profiles, I'm sure, are sort of tough to quantify and to kind of model in different ways. And then you layer on top of that cannabis, <laughs> it's like complexity on top of complexity. I mean, what are the things that needed to change around how you approach the market or really just kind of how you approach insurance when you're dealing with a cannabis company, you know, relative to maybe a more traditional or a more established kind of industry? Yeah. And that's a great question. I think like it really starts with education, both on our side, as well as helping underwriters get more involved in the space, right? Because you look at something like insurance, that's very heavily data driven in terms of loss history for certain industries. And, and how does that shape what the future holds, right? And, you know, obviously you look at more venture-backed companies and emerging industries like cannabis, there's not a whole lot of data. And obviously the federal regulation component, it doesn't make things any easier. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it really comes down to, to education on our part and understanding what our clients' needs are and where there's gaps. We want to not only be a resource from an insurance perspective, but more business oriented. So we try to take the approach of operating like a cannabis company that just happens to help people place insurance. So what that allows us to do is understand, you know, local legislation, understand which markets can write business depending on the geography, depending on the operations. And a lot of that comes with education, right? And once we understand what our clients' needs are, then we need to find the capacity. Yeah. In in a lot of other industries, that's not difficult, right? You can either go to wholesale channels, direct markets, like someone will write it. Yeah. For cannabis, it's a little different. You know, there's a lot of unique popping up interesting programs that are what's called like managing general agents. And essentially 
insurance carriers will provide the power of the pen to specific outlets that demonstrate a knowledge base in a particular field, right? So that's on us to find, you know, those unique MGAs, maybe ones that specialize in providing programs for hemp growing operations, right? We're seeing all these different programs pop up for specific niches. And again, that just comes from us understanding the market, understanding who the players are, educating ourselves, building those relationships so that we can service our clients, right? I mean, we can have the largest portfolio in the world and have, you know, all of these cannabis clients and be a big brand. But if we can't find the capacity or service it accordingly, it doesn't matter. So it's very much two-sided rather than, you know, your more traditional industries where, you know, you have your Chubb and AIGs and large public companies, insurance companies writing business, right? It's not federally legal. So all public companies are out, right? And so it's finding those surplus lines markets to cater to our clients, you know, because I think one thing, obviously insurance is very important, but you have to, there's always a, a, risk reward battle, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to pay a million dollars for a million dollars in coverage, right? So it has to be, you can't just say, well, I got you a quote. It has to be priced in a way that's advantageous to the insured. And obviously, as a lot of these companies are popping up, you know, if they are well capitalized, if if they're not, you know, we can't have insurance be a hurdle that they have to jump. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that's definitely an area of focus of ours yeah. as well. Walk us through, I mean, just so people understand kind of how this process works. Walk us through how how you go about insuring a company and in, in say a regular market and then kind of how it ends up dif- being different. Cause I think this whole, the fact that these insurers that, you know, the Chubbs and the AIGs and the reinsurers and all those kind of, all those publicly, they're like off the table. Like you can't go to them like you would in a normal situation. So how, I guess just kind of walk us through like how someone like you goes about actually providing coverage to a company that wants to insure against a particular time of loss. Like how do you figure that out, scope that, you know, market that, figure out where you're going to take that, where you're going to find the coverage, you know, how you underwrite that, just so people understand kind of the mechanics of it. Because I think a lot of people just, insurance is kind of this black box. It's like, it just happens. <laughs> we don't really know how it happens. Because I think that will help us understand why it's different for cannabis. Sure. So first things first, you have to take a look at, okay, what are the operations of the company, right? Do they touch the plant? Do they not? Do they brand it only? Or do they, like, are they involved in the distribution channel or are they software based? So like the first thing is understanding the business model of the company, you know, similar to what you would do with any more traditional enterprise, right? Because like there is very clear distinctions for flower touching and not flower touching in the insurance market. It's almost like an immediate no for 80% of markets. Again, just due to the nature that it's not fairly legal, although state legal, you know, where are the operations? Are they across state borders? Are they operating in multiple different states? Are they selling, you know, maybe operating one state, but selling to others? How are they regulating their distribution channel? And so once we have a good idea and scope of our client, then we look at, okay, what lines of coverage do you need? Right? So then we say, okay, so you're selling products and you're branding it as your own, you know, it has your IP on it. So we need to get product liability or general liability for the actual products themselves. You've raised three to five million outside capital, you know, directors and officers insurance is going to be important. Then we take a look at, okay, what is the risk profile of the client? What coverages do they need? And Mm -hmm. the reason why that's important, and it's funny because I was just dealing with it the other day is, you know, we got, for instance, 
you know, product liability from this one carrier, James River. My client was like, can we just get DNO and cyber and everything through them as well to bundle mm-hmm. it? And it's very much each carrier has different niches, right? So like they have different core competencies as well. So they focus on specific areas. So maybe a company, an insurance company that focuses on DNO is not going to focus on general liability or product liability and vice versa. And why why is that? Just because they know they've really zeroed in on how to how to quantify that risk and how to price it and stuff? I mean, is it about their knowledge? It's more just about like you have to focus. Like some carriers will write different lines, but it's just it, you, you have to have some focus or you know yeah. differentiation right you yeah. know if, if every carrier wrote everything and honestly they wouldn't have the bandwidth to or the the data and the knowledge yeah. sometimes carriers and you know they have table meetings and they say hey we want to get in cannabis space and you know maybe like a for right now, the premier market for public DNO is like Excel Catlin, right? And maybe on the early onset, they took a risk, they understood it, they gathered the most data, um, have loss history, so they can be most competitive and really write this effectively. I think, you know, just like any product offering that, you know, any other company has, you know, insurance is very similar, right? I think a big misnomer is that it's underwriters just sitting there plugging numbers in. Obviously, there <laughs> there is a heavy data component to it, but there yep. is also very much like rules and regulations. Like some insurance companies can't write cannabis because of their reinsurance treaties. So, yeah, exactly. you know, there's a whole other secondary market for insurance, right? And so even if like a company wants to and their reinsurer that takes, you know, some of the risk off their books says – Nope, I don't want to write cannabis, right? So there's a lot of different factors, but I would think, you know, starting at the company's operations, then taking a look at what coverages they need. Then from there, we say, okay, if we need to get products, we're going to go to this carrier. If we're going to need DNO, we're going to go to Y carrier. And then what we try to do is insurance is, is very unique in the different aspects of the distribution channel. So a lot of times you'll have to use wholesalers. Yeah. And the reason is, is that, you know, there's thousands of retail brokers, right? Not within the cannabis space, but in general, there's thousands of retail brokers and these different underwriters don't want to have to maintain thousands of relationships. They really want to maintain maybe 10, yeah. you know, 15. So there's another link in the chain, we call it, yeah. of wholesalers. So ourselves, like Alpha Root, maybe we would reach out to a wholesaler like, you know, like CRC San Francisco or Canisher, some companies that we go to them, we say, hey, here's the submission. Can you send it to XYZ markets? And then they will go out to look to get quotes. So it's not like we're sitting there talking directly to carriers on a daily yeah. basis. We do have some direct relationships. You know, that's more specifically on the DNO front. But I would say what then we do is once we, okay, understand the needs of our client, we then look to reach out to wholesalers. Then we go to our direct markets where we have access. So it's really interesting. I think insurance in general is just so heavily relationship-based, more so than people really think. And that's why you can't just be another broker and say, hey, you know, I want to kind of toe in the cannabis space. Mm -hmm. Just because there's so many specific markets and relationships that need to be maintained, it's just really difficult. And so that's why, 
if you go to your local broker or some other buddy that doesn't really focus in cannabis, they're just not going to be able to find capacity a lot of times. Yeah. And if they do, yeah. maybe it's not multiple options. Maybe it's one. Maybe there's very limiting exclusions, uh, so on and so forth. So it's really important for companies to to partner with a broker that you know focuses in this space specifically. Yeah. And then from there, once we you know reach out to our wholesalers, reach out to direct markets, if we get some quotes, we'll then do an in-depth policy review. Because I think just like, again, any product offering, each carrier has yeah. a policy that has different bells and whistles that make it you know, very competitive. Maybe they offer very broad coverage that encompasses everything, but Mm -hmm. it's expensive. Maybe they have some limiting exclusions, but it's less expensive. So it's our job to, okay, what are the pros and cons of each different option for our insured? What's the cost benefit? And present them with multiple different options, right? So I think like for us, obviously within this space, coverage is first and foremost, and then we take a look at the cost. But we're not silly to the fact that if it's cost prohibitive, we're not going to jam that down our client's throat because that's not the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, we want to create more scalable solutions. And maybe what we say is, hey, we're on, you know, this carrier for one year. And then as you guys grow and scale, we could look to move to this paper moving forward. Right. So trying yeah. to put together a roadmap, not just looking at one year, but on a move forward basis as clients scale. And I think that type of like mantra for us really stemmed from Founder Shield and like our goal is to partner with companies early yeah. on and help them grow, obviously catering to those larger companies as well, right? Like, like within our Alpha Root portfolio, we have small mom and pop CBD brands all the way to large publicly traded, vertically integrated MSOs that have operations in Canada, US. So we definitely see the full gamut, which I think is unique as well, because a lot of people will say, From a broker standpoint, you have to meet XYZ specifications before we can even talk to you. We're we're pretty agnostic and try to help everyone and partner with the industry because I think, you know, Bruce, I'm sure you know, but the cannabis industry is extremely tight knit. And and Mm -hmm. if you know one person, you probably know everybody. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Very quickly. So, yeah, I think it's really important to maintain all relationships. And I, I think that's a pretty good sense of what the origin of you know going from okay this is a blank slate this is the client's business model all the way to the quoting and then you know proposal process and really like you'd be so shocked how many times we just do a lot of times for people is like hey if you're with someone else like let us just take a look at your policies and we're happy to offer genuine feedback and Mm -hmm. you'd be so shocked to see cannabis-specific exclusions on like a product liability policy or you know what I mean? And, like, okay. and you're just like, no, okay, well, you know, you're paying thousands of dollars for a piece of paper. So, you know, yeah. look, as long as you're transparent and forthfront, you know, with the clients, yeah. um, but you'd be shocked at a lot of times how much people don't really know. And I think that's really important as well because, you know, unless you're dealing with some of the larger clients that we have when they have a full you know, legal counsel or risk manager, right? And someone that really knows the nitty gritty of insurance where you just really need Mm -hmm. to get them what they need. Um, A lot of times we're dealing with CEOs, CFOs, COOs, that insurance isn't one of their top 20 core competencies, right? And and so it's our job to really educate them and, and make sure that they understand fully what they're purchasing and what the intent of the policies are, where it does or does not react especially in this industry, because there's a lot of gray areas. So how do you approach this? I mean, I I guess, you know, cannabis is a fairly, you know, um, although it's, you know, 
it's an industry. There's lots of types of businesses in it. And I mean, you already mentioned a couple of things, you know, do you touch the plant? Do you not touch the plant? Do you have investors? Like what are some of the other factors that kind of help you sort of slice up the cannabis market in terms of, you know, either how you approach it, the types of products that are going to be applicable or really kind of crucial in these areas and which are not. I mean, how do you kind of divide up the landscape here in cannabis from a risk kind of coverage point of view? Yeah. So, I mean, it starts with, I think, are you a public company? Are you not? Where do you operate? I think is a really large one. And do you operate across state lines? I think, you know, the larger the company and also also something that we look at too when analyzing these companies and their risk profiles is some of these companies have one parent company and then, you know, 40 subsidiaries. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So with insurance, right, it's really important that we are fully encompassing the entire scope. I mean, you'd be very surprised. You know, we were dealing with one client where they went through a reverse a reverse merger and went public and, you know, they had like 30 different policies and they had all of these different subsidiaries with their separate brokerage relationships. And it's a nightmare to manage. And I think that's something that's really key in this industry as well as consolidation. Mm-hmm. As a CEO or CFO, if you're managing this aspect, it's much easier and more simple for you to manage. It's not as daunting if you have to manage, okay, four to five policies versus 10, 20. It just becomes really daunting. And then you're like, well, I don't know which one covers what. If I need a certificate of insurance to show my manufacturer, which one do I need to show? If I need to make endorsements or changes to my policies, I need to make, you know, 10, not Three. So I think like that is really one key thing that we look at and try to consolidate as much as possible because it becomes really messy and, and difficult to manage. I think those are where we see a lot of overlap is more on like the product liability, the property coverage, as well as general liability. So like let's say you're a large holding company, you have all these different subsidiary LLCs that operate retail locations, you have, you know, four different product liability policies, four different general liability policies, and four different property policies, it adds up. And so what we've really done is a lot of times is insurance audits for some of our larger clients and trying to consolidate because also a lot of times carriers have what's called like minimum premium thresholds. So what that means is that regardless the size and scope of that particular risk, they have to charge a certain premium, right? So if we can consolidate as much as possible, it often more times than not saves the insured money. So that's another thing as well. And obviously having multiple brokers involved is very difficult, I would say. So the insurance marketplace and what's really interesting, Bruce, is that it's, and this goes for all different types of businesses, but it's one broker for one carrier. And what that means is, let's say Alpha Root goes to James River, right? And then we've approached them for a product liability quote for our client. And another broker, the, the insured says, hey, I want to do some shopping around. I need to see if I can get the best price, right? We yeah. always hear that. And what happens is, is that they invoke another broker. If broker X goes to James River, 
after we've already logged the yep. submission, James River will say, hey, Broker X, sorry, we can't work with you because we're already working with Alpharoot on this submission. So it's it's really important, specifically within the cannabis space, when you're talking about, you know, sometimes clients will invoke three brokers and it's such a limited market to begin with. It just makes it much more difficult. And then underwriters are getting submissions from, you know, three different brokers and you know it's not it's funny because i totally understand it on the the aspect of the insured and that you know a lot of times too they have to it's expensive so they have to show shareholders and investors Mm -hmm. that they did their proper due diligence right this was the best that they could get but what i would say is the best way to approach it to really get the best options available is to work and trust one broker that has knowledge within the space specifically or what you can say is, hey, I'm giving broker X yeah. these five to 10 markets and I'm giving broker Y these five to 10 markets. Where it becomes an issue is when you have clashing and then that is a poor reflection of the insured in the marketplace mm-hmm. because underwriters don't want to see that, frankly. Yeah. It's something that we deal with on a daily basis and will never stop, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely best practices to really stick with someone that you trust or invoke two brokers, but allocate you know, certain markets that they both want to work with. You know, when you look at some of the larger companies, you have like RFPs, right? And basically what like some Fortune 500 companies will say, okay, broker X, you have good relationships with these 10 markets. Broker Y, you have these relationships with these 10 markets. You know, let's see who could provide the best available options for us. And where it becomes an issue is when there's no transparency from the insured. And then we go down the rabbit hole and like a week later, we're just like, Hey, we're blocked everywhere. It's just a waste of everyone's time. So that's something that I think we try to educate a lot is pick up a preferred partner or two partners, be transparent, let them know where they've gone, where they have it. It will only yield better results for you. Yeah. I think some people are like, well, I don't want to tell you where the other guy went. Um, And it's, (laughs) you know, once a broker logs a submission, the only way that another broker can have access is if they sign what's called a change of broker of record letter. And that's something that the insured has to review, sign off on, on, right? So I think that's a misnomer too, is that you can't go and steal a market. And so I think we try to educate our insureds and let them know what the overall process looks like. Cause, cause again, it comes down to education. It's no different than Bruce. Like if you're looking for auto insurance, you know, you may go to Geico, Allstate, State Farm and see, okay, who has the best rate? Mm-hmm. Commercial insurance is just much different. And, yeah. and so you really have to, yeah, there's just a lot of nuances, so much more relationships and there's also a lot more chains of command within the distribution channel when you add on wholesalers. So um, there's a lot of nuances. And I think our goal is to try to educate our insureds how the overall process works. Um, let them know what our relationships are, what our core competencies are focusing within the cannabis space. Um, and, you know, a lot of times we're, we, we are really successful. And I think, um, you know, we take difficult to place or difficult situations and can really turn things around very quickly more so than maybe your more traditional brokerages because of our backend technology that allows us to just streamline processes. Um, I know that sounds like a buzzword, but it really is, uh, important when, you know, you're trying to send out 
15 different submissions to carriers and instead of having to send him one at a time, you could do it simultaneously or, you know, yeah. we can yeah, just facilitate the whole process. We can pre-populate applications that allow us to access, you know, 10 different markets rather than having the insured fill out, you know, five to 10 applications. So, um, there is value in technology. However, we definitely think that, um, there has to be a human component involved. There has to be a client yeah. service aspect specifically with, you know, the cannabis industry where there's just so much nuances and regulations and, um, that frankly, you yeah. know, your broker partner needs to be educated on. And how do you see, I, mean, I guess, how do you see the future of kind of the insurance market for cannabis companies, uh, kind of developing over time? Does the federal or, you know, um, the, sort of somewhat somewhat hopeful <laughs> um, federal legislation change, you know, we'll see if it happens, when it happens, kind of thing at this point. But like what are the things that are really gonna kind of drive or or shift the market in the future here and and what what are some of the things we can kind of expect in terms of offerings or process or you know how that's gonna shape up? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think I don't think when it becomes federally legal and fingers crossed, that's hopefully soon. I don't think every insurance carrier is going to flood the market. Um, I still think people are going to see how risk exposures develop. What, what also a lot of people will do with new emerging markets is they'll jump in, write business for maybe a year, and then they'll pull out and say, okay, let's see how this particular subset does right like it's almost like an experiment um and if it performs well if their loss ratios are positive we'll write more business but i don't think when it becomes public everybody's gonna like okay you know it's gonna be the wild wild west and everybody's gonna offer competitive rates um it's still a nuanced industry um and it's still gonna take years i think to develop to you know the more norm of what we see with more traditional businesses that are, you know, fairly legal across the board. However, I do think that, you know, specific on um, like directors and officers insurance policies, um, one of the major exposures is regulatory proceedings. Mm -hmm. Um, So like things like, like SEC um, coming down and making a regulatory claim against, you know, one of the directors or officers, right? And a lot of times, you know, right now it's not fairly legal. So that is going to change things a lot from a coverage yeah. standpoint. And hopefully we can get more robust coverage for our clients once it becomes federally legal and not have regulatory exclusions. So exactly. that, you know, DNO policies are only covering like shareholder lawsuits or antitrust lawsuits, you know, it's also then going to cover like securities litigation, right? Like I think, you know, we see that coverage right now in Canada with our public companies that are listed on the Canadian Stock Exchange can be interested, you know, when they're listed and governed by the SEC. So there's some coverages that we're hoping will broaden the scope of coverage. You know, I think that we're due for some competition because mm-hmm. right now we have a lot of carriers that are what quote unquote market makers. And uh, when you're a market maker, you can kind of name your price, mm-hmm. right? And really be very picky about the risks and exposures that you want to write um, because nobody else is just doing it. So yeah. if you're the popular girl, everybody's asking you <laughs> to, to go to prom, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, we definitely need more carriers to get into the space and to be more aggressive, frankly, Yeah. which, you know, being 
aggressive and risky is, is kind of out of the scope a lot of times for insurance. But, you know, hopefully as things start to become more federally regulated, you know, more and more states legalize it, more permits get issued on a state basis. And I think something that really needs to be even more so right now than becoming federally legal, I think like if you go from one county to another, even like at the state level, there's just so much different regulation. Um, I think that there just needs to be more standard practice across, you know, even at a more granular level at like the city level rather than, you know, at the state level, it's just very, very different, um, you know, even within states. So I think there just needs to be more standardization. Obviously, I think it'll be helpful when things become federally legal. But again, I I don't foresee people diving in head first. I still think that it's going to be, it's going to be a tailwind issue. It's funny. You look at most industries and you know, they have decades and decades of loss history, right? You know, it's Mm -hmm. still very much in its infancy. And I think where we're differentiating ourselves is we're on the early stage of it, right? So as things start to develop, we're going to be on the ground floor and already have that built up knowledge base. And it'll allow us to be successful now and really give us competitive advantage of when, it becomes federally legal and, you know, Marsh, who's like the biggest brokerage in the world, comes mm-hmm. into the cannabis space. They can't right now because it's not federally legal and they're yeah. a publicly traded company, right? And yeah. I think some of those more late adopters, you know, that want to get in at that time are going to miss the boat. And I think, you know, we are just really right now trying to build our network, service as many companies as possible. And, you know, we're building a lot of really unique partnerships with some venture capital firms that focus within the insurance space, some yeah, attorneys sure. that focus within the, that focus within the cannabis space, accountants, and all of these different advisory and consultancy companies. So, because we want to be able to provide rounded out service for our clients, right? So, I think we don't want to just place policies and say, "I'll see you later" at renewal. Yeah. I think the in order to model. yeah, in order to provide real value, right? Because at the end of the day, insurance is a commodity. So I think, you know, obviously there's certain brokers who have access to unique programs, but at the end of the day, insurance is a commodity. So we take pride in, okay, what else are we doing for our clients outside of just placing policies? You know? Yeah, exactly. Okay, this client is looking to raise a series A, like who can we put them in touch with? Right yeah. now, this client is looking to get a permit in this city of California, you know, maybe our partner that focuses on, you know, licensing and regulation can help them out. So yeah. providing a more well-rounded support system around our clients is is something that's really important to us, you know, yeah. and like we joined this and Bruce, you're a part of it, but the Trailblazer community, mm-hmm. and it's a wonderful community that provides a whole host of different you know, support business lines for the cannabis industry, whether it's staffing, legal, accounting. And so, you know, we lean on them a ton as well in order to service our portfolio and obviously make yeah. new connections as well. So I think that's great. That's, that's, great. that's important um, yeah. is building your network outside of pure insurance relations is, yeah. is really important as well. Eric, if people want to find out more about you, more about Alpha Root, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah. So um, you can take a look at our website. It's alpharoot.com. 
co. That's C-O at the end, not .com. You could feel free to reach out to me directly at eric, E-R-I-C, at alpharoot.co. And Bruce, I'm happy to send over some really solid marketing material that we have and a few white papers that we put together on, you know, the future of the insurance industry within the cannabis yeah. space, as well as like our deck. And yeah, I mean, happy so, to have any discussions, right? Yeah. Whether it's an immediate need for policies, whether it's just people trying to learn more and educate themselves. We don't turn people away. We're a pretty uh, young and hungry bunch. I think we're fun to work with. And I think... You know, with something like insurance, you need to make it fun to, to uh, and enjoyable or else you kind <laughs> you gotta, of go crazy. You got so. yeah. to spice it up a little bit. Um, Eric, I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes. And if you want to send me the URLs, I'll put those in the notes as well for uh, some of that content. Um, this has been great. I mean, I, I you know, in- insurance can sometimes feel like, uh, you know, one of those things you don't want to have to worry about. Unfortunately, it is it is a key part of doing business. And in cannabis, it gets so complicated. It's exciting to see, you know, a company really focusing on this space, providing solutions. So I really appreciate the time today. It was uh, some great insights. I think some really great information for our guests. Yeah, really appreciate it, Bruce. Thanks for having me. And uh, again, stay safe. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.